and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kemp, and as always, I'm joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, Will? It's going all right, buddy. It's going all right. How are you? I'm not great, actually. I had a rough day. We've had a rough couple of days, actually. Uh, just a little bit edgy. I That's feel like, yeah, I feel like, you know, when you're younger. I, re- I remember it was a while ago. But yeah, it was a while ago. And you know when you go out and you'd, you'd burn through like 150 bucks on a night out, knowing full well that Centrelink doesn't pay that well, and you wake up the next morning just feeling a bit edgy, like you've overspent and you feel really guilty about it. And, you know, things just aren't quite right. You're hungover probably, didn't sleep in your own bed, and you're just a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that at the moment. I mean, obviously, like there comes a point where you move past that. You do it so often that the guilt just disappears. So, kids, if you are in that stage, just push through it. It's okay. You get there. Yeah. It will go away. Exactly. (laughs) But I just feel like on edge all the time. Like, uh, I don't know, that I've got something hanging over my my head at the moment. I I don't know what it is. It just hasn't been a great couple of days. That's not good. That's not good. Well, I, I myself this afternoon have come into my ultimate frustration. And I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna nerd out on you a bit here for mm. for what this frustration is. But as uh, part of Apple's little upgrades that they do, they've got the latest operating system for my uh, MacBook. So I've moved up to Catalina, the the latest snazzy uh, offering that they have. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's go up to it. And along with this, I've now realised that it has rendered the uh, Microsoft Office package that I'd purchased when I bought the computer now useless. So this new update, it, it is no longer valid with those versions of Office. And my only option now is to subscribe to like an annual platform where I pay like 100 bucks a year for the right of using the Microsoft gear. Yeah, I mean, that's the world we live in now where they just that's fucked up. monopolize everything and force you into buying the next product. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like every year, I, like I'm, I'm happy with what I've got. I don't need any more. I don't want it upgraded. I'm happy with my 96 Corolla. I don't want a fucking new car every year. And I hate that I'm being forced down into can this you, little path. Can you like control Z that thing and just undo it or no? Well, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it. I'm just furious. And I tried to use numbers, like max offering of it. My God, the most frustrating thing in the world when you're quite proficient in Excel and then to go to another system where you know exactly how it's done in Excel and you cannot for the fucking life of you figure it out, how to do it in numbers. I've, I've spent most of my afternoon trying to run some simple shit in here. So in the end, I've just pulled out the work computer and I had to bash it out in that. But fuck, I was frustrated and I was... First bitching to the missus, and she was having none of it. She found this to be the most boring thing ever. So I thought, fuck it, I'm going to go to a wider platform of all our listeners, and, and they'll probably think it's boring too, but I don't care. I'm mad. Okay, and that's fair enough. And, and you know, you were talking about how you were bashing it into the work computer. And, again, kids, not something that I would recommend when you get to adulthood, but, hey, whatever floats your boat. Well, on that note, welcome to our week 13 recap we've got a lot to get through i feel like this episode could be slanted a little bit on the pessimistic side it could get a little bit whingy here um so if you're not into that well fuck you and you can hang up now but if you are you'll hear some bitching and moaning from aaron anyway we've got the game recaps uh we've got all the usual segments helmet stickers aussies in action bold predictions which bombed again for me and on the punt as well so hopefully you've made some money just to make yourself feel a little bit better but since we are in this mood of um, negativity normally we start off with well look what's something that we we liked about the weekend's game but screw it we're going to start with what we dislike so what did you not love what was your lay down sally for this weekend's games will so we're going straight into lay down sally for mine it was the fact that the Pac-12 went and fucked it all. Oh, God. And, and, not, and not just that they did that, but they did it a week later than when I predicted it. So last week, for those listeners playing along at home, you would be well aware that my bold prediction was that this was going to happen just the week before. And what do you know? It take, took an, 
an extra week, but in the end, Oregon shut the bed and went and ruined the chances, not just of themselves, but they've really dug Utah in a hole, be it unfairly, I feel anyways. But now even Utah go through, they play, say it is Oregon, which, which will be in the... Yeah, in, in the conference championship game, that win doesn't look nearly as impressive now, be it rightly or wrongly, and that might not be enough to get them over the tops of the likes of an Alabama, and it's just such a Pac-12 thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I that was exactly mine, and, and just how sad it is to, I mean, they had, what, they were 6th and 7th ranked respectively going into this weekend's play, and then, of course, that happened. And the Pac-12 doesn't need things like this to happen. They had a chance here to make a bit of noise with Utah and Oregon both being, you know, top 10 teams and, and battling that out for the conference championship. Having said that, Utah hasn't clinched yet either. Uh, uh, USC is a game behind. I can't remember who Utah have got this week. Someone not very good. Uh, Colorado maybe. And... Coming off a big win. Coming off a big win, yes. But they've got Colorado. So if, if Utah actually drop that to Colorado and end up going or having two losses in conference, USC have only got two losses in conference and they would actually move ahead uh, due to the uh, the head-to-head tiebreaker that they hold over the Utes. So, yeah. yeah. It is, but it is disappointing. I agree with you. I wanted to see the Pac-12 get some more recognition and, and deserved recognition, which they did have. But now Oregon, uh, it's just a frustrating one for them and everybody involved. So I have to agree what? with you. That was mine as well. While we're on Pac-12, I want your opinion on something you. here. So USC yep. uh, had a big win. Yep. Looking good. Yep. Uh, the main man, Keaton Slovis. Yep. Going off yep. again. Okay, right? you just, you just rolled into my juice section here, mate. I feel like you're just leading me in, <sighs> leading me down. I, I could line. be, I could be, because if, if we want to do this, maybe maybe we can just roll straight into that because I don't want to kind of trample all over it. I want to do that if you then take it on <laughs> afterwards. So let's go. Let's go with you and then we'll pick this back up if it goes down another path. Okay, so obviously we plan extensively before we come on the air. But yeah, so for me, the juice has to be Caden Slovis in USC, their last three games, he's gone for over 400 yards in all of those games. He's thrown 12 touchdowns to one interception. He's the first USC quarterback ever to throw for 500 yards. And on top of that, he's a true freshman backup to start the season. USC are somehow still alive in the Pac-12 South despite all their injuries, which we just mentioned. And... I think this has to – I know people are still looking for a get-out for um, Clay Helton and are they going to fire him and get in Urban Meyer and all that sort of stuff. But he's got this team humming at the moment. And in terms of teams that are smoking hot at the moment, USC is up there with probably one other team in the country uh, in terms of the teams with the most momentum. And I have been super impressed by both Slovis and USC. So that was my big – uh, impressive kind of moment game from the weekend's action. That's perfect because I think it's all massively overrated. Oh, wow. Everything that he's done and the the praise that's coming his way, I think needs to be more put towards the new offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, yeah. and, and the work that they've put in and that system that they've put in. And I would argue that you, there's a hundred kids in America that you could put in that spot and they would be doing the same thing that he is. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, that's interesting, but uh, I don't know about that. I think that's underselling. Uh, his capabilities and don't get me wrong they're talented and they often out talent teams but there's plenty of talented teams in the country that aren't performing up to that high level what I will say though if we have a look at if I just rattle these off here and this is the way that college football is going and this is the infuriating thing with other ball clubs at the moment what are the similarities in terms of offenses that you notice about these ball clubs I'm just going to read the top 25. Oklahoma, LSU, Clemson, UCF, Washington State, Ohio State, Alabama, SMU, Louisiana Lafayette, Memphis, Hawaii, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Western Michigan, Troy, Wake Forest, USC at 18 in the country, Georgia State, Utah, Oregon, Boise State, Boston College, Navy, North Carolina. In terms of systems, what do you notice? 
There's a lot of air raids. There is a lot of air raids or air raid derivatives. In fact, majority of them are, save for Navy and not Georgia. Georgia Southern Southern run State in there. Georgia's. Yeah, Georgia, that, Southern. Georgia Southern run the triple option. Um, but, you know... BC are pretty pro. BC have got more of a pro style, but majority of these teams, Boise State are pretty multiple. But majority, and Utah is very run heavy, but the rest are wide open spread offenses. And, I mean, this probably gives your argument a fraction of credit here, actually, that, you know, with the this spread out system that people can put up numbers and have really effective offenses. I still think they have to be good to execute at that level and, and do that. So I think it, I agree. And, and I think he a little bit of column. A, I think he is good. A. I think he is good, but I would argue that there are a hundred kids in America who are that level of good who could have that success. Because as you kind of mentioned, they have the same or more talent on the field every time that they play whoever they're coming up against. Yeah. So if you've got someone who's running the right scheme to set that all up, then they're if it all works, you're going to see these sorts of results. And I'm not all that surprised by it. Like, good for him. It's great. He's, he's landed in a great spot. There's going to be an interesting little quarterback battle at the beginning of next year now. Yeah. But I just, I'm not throwing all that much praise on him because I think that a lot of kids could do that. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you're saying that Graham Harrell's the answer, why doesn't every, why don't, I mean, is he up for a head coaching job next year? Is Joe Brady up for a head coaching job next year at LSU? Are all these kind of spread out offensive guys? Is this the way that college football is heading then, that every single head coach is actually going to go and become an offensive guy and that's the way you're going to roll? I think there's a lot more to being a head coach than just the scheme that you run. I think that's a big part of it, don't get me wrong, but there is a lot that goes into it around building the culture, around the recruiting of things, around personnel management, all of that deal. Okay, okay, that, okay. That, that's where it gets trickier, uh, especially as a younger guy, to earn that respect of more But you, But you're, uh, not, getting, you're not getting a head coaching job without proven success from a co- at a coordinator level often. And that success comes from running the right scheme, right? Yep, absolutely. Anyway. And and I think they, they've, these guys have definitely got it in their future, but there's still probably a little bit more that needs to be put into it, a little bit more experience that they need to get before I would expect that to happen. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Now, I'm going to head down uh, – well, actually, tell me, what did you like about this weekend's games before we push on too far? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to love this, yeah. but uh, – my college football analysis credibility is poised to skyrocket. So mm-hmm. with, with the weekend's results, we now have a situation where Stanford's loss to Cow has removed them from bowl eligibility. So you get a big Therefore, tick there. nailing my first bowl prediction of the season. Well done. Looking good, looking good. Cincinnati somehow have made it through to their championship game. They are playing really ugly at yeah, the moment, they but they are winning. And if they keep doing that, they've got a real good shot of making a New Year's Six. If they go out and win the American, they're in a New Year's Six. Mm, are they? Absolutely. They'll take the winner of the American. The Americans, outside of Clemson, better than the ACC this year. They would make it into a New Year's Six. And then, after starting 0-2 in conference, Virginia Tech, all they need to do... Is win this week and they've won the coastal and I've nailed all three. That's so fucked. That's so get around fucked. me. And I will never hear the end of it. Did you have any money on that? Those three. L- oh those man! Three Imagine together. if I did. Yeah, I know, but you didn't. So no, it's tough to find markets on those sorts of things down here in Australia. I'm sure if I was out in Vegas, I could find a back alley loan shark <laughs> who'd be willing to yeah yeah offer me up. Uh, well, well done, mate. Congratulations. I have picked nothing from the start of the year, and I rarely pick things from a week to week basis. But well done to you. Let's not take any Thank shine you. off your year. I mean, it could still all head south here, except for this. Absolutely, one, and especially now that I've said all of this, it almost certainly will. Yeah, I mean, I can't even remember mine anymore. They were so bad. Clay Helton. Getting fired, that hasn't happened. I can't even remember my other ones. You have to no. scratch yeah, those I'll up. I'll dig them out. Uh, oh, actually, no. There was a whole bunch of teams I said once they got ranked, they would remain ranked. <laughs> that was blown out the water in like week two. Uh, it was. Um, and yeah, I'm going to have to do – I'm. you know what? I'm going to have to put in – Oh, you had Clemson. Clemson undefeated the whole way. That still could happen. All. 
Absolutely. It's looking better than ever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that is really polishing a turd. All right. My last issue that I have got is what the hell is the playoff ranking? Now, this is nothing to do with getting too excited about this week or last week, but it's sort of been coming for me for a couple of weeks. And this is, I don't understand what the playoff ranking is trying to achieve at this point. We've had it since whatever they have it, week eight or seven or something. And they drop it each week to give us an updated kind of look at which who they think the top four teams are. But is this ranking supposed to indicate the best teams over the course of the season? Or is it the best teams that are playing the best football right now? I don't know what that is because if it's the if it's intended to indicate the best teams over the course of the season, you cannot have Georgia in the top four. Their only loss, or sorry, they've got one loss, yes, but it's to South Carolina, and this is a South Carolina team that's not very good. In fact, they're four and seven or something at the moment. They're not traveling at all well. You compare that to Bama, whose only loss is to the number one team in the country. Baylor's loss is to Oklahoma, who's like a top 10 team or whatever. Utah has only lost to a ranked USC and uh, Minnesota's only loss was to Penn State. So what, you know, what actually is it? Is it this, uh, is it the best teams over the course of the season? Because that's the case, it can't be Georgia. If you're going on the other hand and you're saying, well, what have you done for me lately? then I can sort of understand the Georgia thing. What I can't understand is how Penn State is ranked higher than Minnesota at the moment. Minnesota beat them literally two weeks ago, but Penn State are, are ranked higher than Minnesota now. So, And they came off a scrappy win against Indiana last week. Uh, like I just, you know, Bama just lost to a team that are probably going to go and make the playoff. Does that mean they still deserve a shot at it? Because they're definitely positioned to do so. So I, I, I just don't understand this playoff ranking. I don't understand what it's it's meant to tell us at this point. And should the committee just release a final ranking on that day and that's it? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel where you're coming from with some of this stuff. And I think it is a combination of all of it. And that's what makes it a little bit frustrating because they take all of these factors into account to try and come up with some sort of debate around their little committee room that gives them the ultimate ranking that they end up with so it's not a clear you know if a team beats another team then they get the spot ahead of them or purely based off of bad losses or good wins or a combination of those it just seems to be really evaluating each of these teams and all of that and then trying to kind of argue for where that should land them yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that just sounds loose. And I know there's no way because you can't just strictly use quantitative data because if they did, they We had that. We, we, yeah, we well, had the BCS kind of making up a part of it, I suppose. Yeah, they did. And then if it's just qualitative, you're just going on the eye test and that's not necessarily fair either. So I guess I understand that it's got to be a combination of both. But if you're saying that in any world that Georgia is playing better football or has played better football over the last month and a half or for the whole season than Alabama, then you're kidding yourself. Uh, I, I wouldn't be taking Georgia over Oklahoma at the moment. The only thing that Georgia's got going for them is defense. And again, based on the conversation that we had at the start of this episode around the power of offenses, that's not going to hold up anymore in as we get towards the finish, because all of these teams can play some defense. You're going to have to score 28 to, you know, 35, 40 points to be in these games. So I just don't understand how these teams are, are kind of moving around. So there is one answer to this for you, though, mate. Eight team player. Oh, God. Here we go again. Give all the conference champions their spot in, and then we're sorted. We know we've got the five best there, and then the rest doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, okay, I guess. Uh, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. let's not hang around on that, but I was just trying to get some semblance of understanding on the playoff rankings, and I still don't think I really understand it. So there we go. I don't know what they're trying. I know what they're trying to achieve. It's just it doesn't make sense up until this point. Anyway, moving right along, let's get into some game recaps. So we're going to go in with 
In terms of the order that we progress through this, we're going to go with conferences that played the most relevant matches. That's where we're going to start. The conferences that played the most irrelevant matches this late in the season, we will finish with at the end. And we will be. So we'll just start humming through those as a sign of disrespect to the garbage that they served up to us? Correct, yes. At the back end. I like it. So equal number one. There are three clear conferences that go equal number one and we will start in the Big Ten. Uh, Why not just make it four? Hey? Why not just have four conferences that are clearly playing significant games? No, because there was a lot of junk in the ACC as well. well, But that's been the case all year. All right. Okay. So let's go Big Ten. Uh, We had the big matchup, Ohio State and Penn State. And just a quick one before we get into the games. The Nittany Lion mascot may be the worst in college football. It looks like like a 1950s kind of toy with like the buttons for eyes and floppy ears. Sort of came from a time of lead-based paint and people claiming homosexuality was a mental illness. That kind of reminds me of the Nittany Lion yeah. mascot. It's a, bit, it's a bit creepy. I don't like the Stanford tree. I know it changes every year, but <laughs> yeah. there's something about that that just really bothers me. Yeah, okay. All right. And whilst we're on mascots, too, I've got one more. Uh, West Virginia played my boys on the weekend, Oklahoma the State. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the Mountaineer, I'm normally all aboard this year, big husky fella. Really? And I'm, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, he's, he's a bigger fella. And I'm like, all right, there you go. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Equality. No, I mean, hey. I like hanging out with you. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. Um, <laughs> J.K. Dobbins dominated the game early, sort of as both teams settled in, and, and we thought that might be the case because he is up there in the argument of the top probably two or three backs in the country this season. 64 first-half yards to Penn State. Ohio State really dominated all phases as we thought they might, but they didn't necessarily put a whole bunch of scoreboard pressure on. Then things started to get a little funky in the third quarter. Sean Clifford gets knocked out of the game, completing a pass. Journey Brown goes on and scores a touchdown on that drive. J.K. Dobbins fumbles on the next possession. Penn State go and score. Then Justin Fields fumbles, and that is upheld, although I think it possibly wasn't a fumble. Um, But then the surge kind of ran out of steam, and, and the Lions didn't look likely after that. Will Levis had a bit of surprise factor when he came into the game at quarterback for Penn State, but that ran out pretty quickly. And then Chase Young just feasted on that left-hand side of the defensive line, and they he was just making a mess of the, the Penn State right tackle. And Levis couldn't even set up. I was kind of sitting there thinking, I don't know if you remember the footage of Michael Vick um, – against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's like, I can't, I can't even set up. I can't even set up. And all he was talking about was how like he couldn't even get into his drop because he was just getting sacked straight away. That was pretty much what was happening to Penn State offensively. Uh, I was actually impressed with Penn State DBs who've given up over 300 yards in their last two contests, but they were pretty sticky and challenging all the throws. Uh, and I was actually really impressed. But Ohio State certainly didn't put them away. Does this take a little bit of shine off Ohio State as they didn't dominate offensively as I certainly thought they might? I I still think this is a pretty impressive effort. So I will put my hand up and say that I was guilty of flicking away from this game when they went 21 nothing up and I thought this was toast. And I think I texted you early on in the piece. We, we did get up for this one yeah. uh, and said after they scored, what was it? one real early and it just looked like they were dominating that this one could get ugly quite quickly. But credit to Penn State, they came back and it was kind of, as I said, in the lead up to this one, they're a good team and and they're going to kind of get their opportunities. And it did take a couple of crazy little fumbles for, for that to occur. And I just, I don't expect that sort of thing to happen again. And the fact that you can still win by what was 11 points when you do have those weird little things going against you really speaks to the talent that this side has. Like Justin Fields, yes, he had those issues with the fumbles, but he was still super efficient with the football. I mean, he only missed like six passes on the day and and still looked really good. Uh, And 
that like running the ball, as you said, J.K. Dobbins is a machine, mm-hmm. and they're able to change things up there. They're able to give him the ball, and they ran the ball a lot. I yeah, mean, between did. him and Justin Fields, they had what over fifty odd carries. So yeah, well, on that that's huge. I think on that first scoring drive was something like thirteen plays, and there was twelve called runs in there. Um, you yeah, know, it was just they were just doing what they want, and I think that's a really good. I mean, if you can get that running game going, because we know they can win on the outside, danger time for any team that is giving up rushing yards to Ohio State. How do you feel about the Penn State coaching staff backing in their boy and saying, all right, well, we won't look to shift any of our protection up front over to Chase Young. We'll back you in one-on-one. We'll let you do the job. We're not going to send in a tight end to help chip or a running back. Kind of backfired. Yeah, I mean, it did. It it is a tough one because they were standing Chase Young up in and he was really covering that sort of that C gap. Uh, he was like a C gap defender and they were also sneak. They were playing a lot of three-man front, but then bringing a linebacker or a safety down into the box to cover that B gap, which means they were sort of had a, not a shaded front, but certainly they had uh, three defenders and then they had a nose tackle over the center. So they had a, a defender lined up over the nose. They had a B gap defender lined up over the guard. And then they had Chase Young outside the tackle, which means you ha- you did have to bring in a back or a tight end. You couldn't get help. You couldn't just straight double team with the offensive line. Now, I agree with you. Normally, you can bring in a back or a tight end to chip, and they, of course, will have protections around that. I don't know why they didn't. Uh, the other thing I did notice, though, other guys were getting home as well. It wasn't just Chase Young. Uh, there was no, you know, some it, interior it wasn't, but it was He was leading to a lot every- of it because he, he had to shift his launch point early because he was, you know, Get, again, getting to the, the exactly the right. Every the time there was a, a key, a key passing down, he was having an impact. Yeah, like I, I think I heard the name Chase Young more than anything across the weekend. Like the commentators were just absolutely frothing over him, mm. but it was almost warranted because yeah. he was having such an impact and he was all over the place and he he, he was super impressive. And, and when the more they I needed this it, kid, when they needed it in those yeah. kind of moments where Penn State had kind of got a bit of a run on and then all of a sudden a high state pinned them deep with a punt and then you just needed them to to do something defensively just to get a bit of momentum back and Chase Young goes and makes plays both in the run game and against the pass as well. So yeah, he was super super impressive, but you do you got to get some protection in there and you know, shorten those drops up a little bit, go quick game uh, and, and you know, try and get that ball out faster uh, to give yourself at least a chance to, to pull the trigger. And then, and then hopefully you can, you know, hold up long enough to get something deep down the field. Because I do know that as a defensive end, if, if, if they're going quick game all the time, it's frustrating. Even on known passing downs and they're going quick game all the time, it's really difficult, but you just get – you get you lose concentration almost because you're like, I'm never going to get there. I'm not getting home. I'm just trying to get my hands up. So then when you eventually do see a deep drop or, or a, you know, a five-step drop or like a three-step gun drop or something, you, you're not – you're not concentrating that much and believing you're going to get home because you think they're going to turn the ball loose and that's when you can actually have some success there. So, yeah, a few issues for Penn State on in all phases of the game. Yeah, I think Ohio State did a really good job and, and there's nothing to for me to believe that they're not the, one of the best two teams in the country at the moment. Absolutely. All right, Minnesota handled Northwestern 38-22. to 22. The Gophers jumped Northwestern out of the blocks and the Wildcats really couldn't recover. Tanner Morgan was good again, but Rodney Smith was pretty much contained at running back, which is a couple of weeks in a row now for the Gophers, and I think they'll want to try and get him going, particularly uh, in their big matchup this weekend as they take a share of the Big Ten West. Iowa need only one touchdown again, this time to beat Illinois 19-10. Michigan State blank Rutgers 27 to nothing, And you had some cash on that one, I think, William, but that didn't go so well. Oh, I did, yes. Disappointing. Uh, we'll hear more about that later. And Nebraska make a mess of Maryland 54-7. I don't know what this says. I didn't watch this game in any great detail. Um, I kind of blitzed through the highlights package. But Nebraska, yes, they had a bit of luck. But is this more of an indictment on Maryland being a, a terrible team or the fact that Nebraska have played disappointingly this year and and this is a bit of a wasted season for Adrian Martinez? 
uh, and the Huskers, or you know, is it a combination of both? I think it's it's more Maryland are bad yeah, okay. than it is uh, Nebraska being good. So they've been in most games that they've played and they're a competitive unit and they're, they're always going to be under Scott Frost. I, I think they're heading in the right direction, but it's not. It's certainly not a lost season like you might say for Texas or someone like that, yeah. although I'm well off them too. It, it is more just Maryland are not good yeah. and, and they need to turn some things around there because there has been a bit of hype with that Under Armour money coming in yeah. and... Uh, th- there was kind of thoughts that they might become the Oregon of the East Coast, and it just hasn't shaped up. They- they've gone backwards, and-, and something needs to change there for for that program to start seeing some better results. Well, and I think just back to the Nebraska side of things, usually you see if, you- if your coach is worth his salt, then year three is the time that you start seeing some glimmers and glimpses of teams moving forward and really not only – uh, just showing it in patches, but a more consistent season to the point where they're threatening and, and winning big games as well. So Nebraska, I think a few people were high on them this year and they haven't delivered, but next year might be the time that Scott Frost is starting to get his fingers all over that program. There we go. All right. Uh, again, equal number one as we move conferences, the Pac-12, they played all conference games. Again, the shock in this one, as we mentioned earlier, Oregon go down to Arizona State in Tempe, 31-28. to Jaden Daniels goes for over 400 yards and three touchdowns to boot. It was a low-scoring affair until the last quarter, and then Oregon tried, to, well, tried and successfully did accelerate with three touchdowns in under seven minutes. Uh, and then, a, you know, when I felt like Oregon were on top, they had Arizona State in a third and 16 hole with 345 left to play. Jaden Daniels hits Brandon Iok for an 81-yard TD. And the Sun Devils hold on. So a really, really good job to them. How do you feel about the Ducks? Justin Herbert and his two fourth-quarter interceptions as they appeared to be the difference. He couldn't put it together on the biggest stage for him this year. No, no, he couldn't. And that was one of the things that we mentioned earlier in the year was that we needed to see that from him. Yeah. We, we hadn't seen that that uh, killer instinct and, and that edge. And that was where it needed to show. And unfortunately, it didn't for him. I mean, it was never going to be an easy out. Arizona State, whilst haven't been great the last few weeks, early on in the year were as competitive as any team going around. So going into Tempe and, and coming up against them, was never going to be a cakewalk, but this is just one that they had to win. And the the fact that it was low scoring and tight, but they were able to kind of get up in the last and then still fall flat is just uber disappointing for this unit. Uh, it's, it's, it now becomes a, a failed season on the back of that. And, and they'll be re- really disappointed. On the flip side, could you imagine the parties in Tempe? <laughs> you love talking Saturday about night? a Tempe party, don't you? Oh, yeah. Storming the field and then going out, that would be one for the ages. On the strip. Do you remember the main street there? I can't remember what it's called. A lot of bars and uh, pubs and stuff. Like Mill there. Street or something? Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. I remember being there at Halloween. That's all I got. Anyway... Yeah, I don't remember a lot from our time there. <laughs> um, but just a, a couple of quick ones on that. I think, you know, Arizona State's offensive line has been terrible. Their defense has been absolutely shredded. So they managed to turn that around a little bit on both sides. But for Oregon especially, their defense was the talking point early in the season and they just went and gave up 500 yards to this Arizona State offense which has been pretty patchy recently so they have to be and Mario Cristobal has to be really unhappy with that Um, but Oregon go down Arizona State seemed to be good for a, a big upset once a year so maybe that might factor into my bold predictions next year, but we'll see how we go. Uh, moving on, we talked about Keaton Slovis and USC. They whip uh, the Bruins 52-35. to 35. I still think it's going to be hard to fire Clay Helton now. Is there any chance that that happens, do you think? Oh, I think it's unlikely. I think you're right. They're still competing for that. Uh, spot in the championship game. So whilst that's the case, it's it's going to be a tough one to do. There doesn't appear to be any prime candidate that is being talked about or is a real standout for that job at the moment. So I'm not sure that there's a better option out there from, from what we're seeing. So I, I think 
they keep going down this path. Okay, so if I believe that USC are one of the hottest teams in the country right now, you're a little bit skeptical. There's probably one other team that I think is super hot at the moment, and that's Michigan. But outside of those two, is there any other two teams that have gained as much momentum as those two teams as the as the course of the season has progressed? I mean, when, we can't say Ohio State, we we can't say LSU because they came out hot, they've stayed hot. But in terms of momentum building, are there any two pro are there any programs that are going as well as these two guys right now? Uh, Clemson, can can we say those Ooh. because they didn't start so great yeah, I mean, and maybe. they are certainly firing on all cylinders now they're looking better now than they have all year hey, so it's not it's, how you start it's how you prob- finish correct correct so they're one that you would certainly look at um we've had losses for baylor and uh minnesota now so that obviously puts a dent in theirs oklahoma have been sputtering along yeah uh, so i wouldn't consider them wisconsin started hot and have kind of gone the opposite direction uh, Maybe Notre Virginia Dame. Tech. Well, yeah, they're um, another Notre, one. Actually, Notre Dame's a good one as well because they're a bit drifty early, but they've got seem to have got that offense going. So, yeah, there's a few teams that are starting to crank it up as the season finishes, but I think USC and Michigan, um, as long as as well as Virginia Tech and, and Notre Dame, have got a lot of momentum going into the offseason. Whilst they've all still got a lot of stuff to play for now, um, they're going to be ones that will be talked about early into next season. Anyway, Cow beat Stanford 24-20. Oregon State put up 29 fourth-quarter points, but fall to Washington State 54-53. to Oh, that has to feel like a finals loss for the Beavs, though. They're now going to struggle to get bowl eligible as they play in the Civil War against Oregon next week. Unless... Somehow Oregon come out flat, but I don't think that'll be the case. Um, I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about Anthony Gordon again. Yeah, his numbers are just incredible. They're insane. So how can you not? 600 yards, six touchdowns, fucking hell. (laughs) So disappointing for Oregon State. I was really hoping to see them uh, get to a bowl game because there's some ridiculous stats out there about how long it has been since they've been bowl eligible and just how few bowls they've played in over the course of their existence Colorado beat Washington 20 to 14 now this game won't garner heaps of attention as Washington haven't been very good this year but gee that's a hell of a bad loss for the Huskies what is going on with them I like Stevie Montez at Colorado I like LaVisca Chenault they're fantastic but this is a frisky team at best Washington Washington were in playoff conversation last year that is not a good loss for the Huskies yeah, I've been banging this drum all year, though. Washington have a heap of youth across the field. They lost a whole heap of talent last year. This was always going to be a rebuilding year. They were always going to take a step back. And then when you go on a big road trip out to the Rockies, it it's not necessarily always going to go your way. And, and they're not a high-powered offensive team. They're more of a defensive side that we've seen historically. So when you get in a defensive tussle and you're on the road and you've got young kids, you can expect these sorts of results to happen from time to time. Okay, interesting. All right, let's jump across into the Big 12 now. Again, equal number one conference. They all played conference games. Oklahoma State, claw home against West Virginia, 20-13. to 13. Your offense couldn't really get going again this week, William. Is there any way that you can be optimistic heading into Bedlam? Uh, I mean, we could certainly be optimistic. That's They're now on a four-game win streak, and I wouldn't put them in the category as, of running hot like you have mentioned for some of those other programs before, and that's mainly due to the fact that Spencer Sanders uh, missed this game and will be out for probably the rest of the year with a, a thumb injury. So Drew Brown stepped in there. And, and whilst he played quite well, I was quite impressed with his efficient uh, outing. He doesn't have that dynamic playmaking that Spencer Sanders does. And I feel like that's what you kind of need against uh, Oklahoma, who are very talented offensively, but will give up plays on the ground and through the air. And if you can get in a shootout, I feel like that's our shot there and Drew Brown's more of your drop back he he can take off for it but you're not going to see that for him it kind of changes it to much more of a two-dimensional side with feeding the ball through Tuba and then airing it out from time to time so that kind of has me a little bit concerned that and the last 80 years of history (laughs) 
I like how you said, like, oh, if we can get him in a shootout, we've got a chance. It's a shootout every year. That's just standard operation for Bedlam, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a shootout every week. <laughs> True. Oklahoma overcome TCU 28 to 24. And TCU have been building fractionally towards the back end of the year, not necessarily getting the wins on the board, but certainly keeping things a little bit closer. Jalen Hurts didn't have a massive game through the air, but his effort on the ground was pretty incredible. Over 150 yards, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. I'm sure you'll talk about he'll get a mention later as well. Perhaps. Perhaps. Baylor beat Texas 24 to 10 and book a date with Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. Well done to Matt Rule and the Sikkim Bears. Kansas keep things tight against Iowa State until the very end, but the clones get out of that one 41-31. K-State managed Texas Tech 32-27. Across into the ACC, there's not a lot to love here with only four conference games, and one of those we're kind of throwing Notre Dame in there a little bit, but Georgia Tech get their second uh, conference win this time against NC State, 28 to 26. Virginia struggled early against Liberty before pulling away, 55 27. Who cares? That's one of those games we don't care about. Notre Dame crushed BC, 40 to 7. Virginia Tech beat Pitt pretty comprehensively, 28 to nothing. And like you mentioned earlier, they got the Commonwealth Cup, I believe it is, to decide the ACC Coastal Champ. Syracuse go down to Louisville, 54 to 36. Wake beat Duke. 39 to 27. I'm missing one. I can't do it. We had uh, Florida International coming up against the University of Coral Gables. Uh, I've heard that reference because they can no longer be called Miami University. I think they've lost that right by losing this matchup. Oh, mate, you must be distraught with that effort. Uh, this is by far, and and you know what I said that I wasn't going to follow them as closely, and I mean you can, you can't follow you can, you can't stop where your heart goes, I suppose. So I still do follow them, and this one I, I don't even know. Like their heat has been ratcheted up another level. I did I didn't think I would see anything like this. There are people. Um, saying that that is the worst loss in program history ever. I'm glad I got to witness it. And being a Canes fan has been really, really bad. I mean, I've been a Miami fan for what now, 10-ish years. And it was really coming off the back of really good recruiting classes. The fact that this 2002, 2003 hurricane teams, which were still really, really good and, and played in national championship games was still in recent memory and now we are nothing but really a a mediocre at best ACC team to give you some numbers this is the third game this year where they've been 13 points or better favorites Uh, I think the games were Virginia Tech uh, uh, this one FIU and I can't remember the last one UNC maybe and they lost Perhaps, those yeah. three games. That hasn't happened in college football in the last 40 years. On top of that, this is the first time that FIU has ever beaten a Power 5 team ever. And they win wow. this one 30 to 24. It's I mean I I really don't I really don't know where to go. It's such a weird place in in a when you're so used to hearing about success and and the power of my that doesn't exist anymore and you know that parody is not coming this isn't the afl or nfl where you know what if you stick at it in a few years time this thing could be turned around there's no guarantees here in college football and it it is it is horrific to watch i know if this was going on at an sec school heads would be rolling I, I don't know if the Miami administration is going to do that. So that is probably more a reflection on how they feel about football now and the fact that a clean, potentially a clean program, after all they went through with the Nevin Shapiro and, and all that sort of stuff, a clean program is better than a dominant program. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not advocating that they go out and, and do things. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. Cheat. Go back to cheating. <laughs> no. Pay more money. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that 
they're valuing academics and and again i obviously being a teacher value academics extremely highly but you can do both and they're not they're doing you know the football field product is horrific at the moment and Dan Enos was this big thing coming out. He's running that pro-style offense, which we don't see being successful in college football anymore. I mean, I could go on and on and on, and I'm not going to do that, but, you know, yeah, horrific loss. Now, now, as your friend, I, I see Miami like a, a cheating girlfriend for you, right? <laughs> so going into the year, you, you, you kind of talk about this girlfriend you've got and you show me some pictures and I say, yeah, that looks pretty good actually. Like she's pretty hot. I'm I'm impressed with that. You know, that's good. And then I'll like, I'll catch her doing something pretty fucked up. Yeah. Like she'll drop a game that she shouldn't drop. Not really fucked up. You know, beat Central Michigan by five points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like that. And I'm kind of like, ooh, ooh, is he aware of this? Mm -hmm. And I think you are, but you kind of see through it. You've got these rose-colored glasses on, so that's cool. And then – That's what fan You know, you walk – Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you walk in on her just getting railed on the kitchen table. (laughs) Like, you walk in on this and you're upset. You get upset. You throw a bit of a tantrum. You say you're off them. And I'm I'm like, okay, that's probably fair. That's a good idea. You need to get away from – this this woman and then she starts texting you no it's not like that she's 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 an underdog she's an underdog and she texts you and she's like hey we shouldn't win this game but we have (laughs) we we were nine point underdogs and we've won this one maybe we're all right and then the next week wins again shoots you another text maybe this time shows you a bit you know (laughs) And you're all of a sudden thinking, all right, maybe, maybe I'll get back on board. And just at the point where you're willing to take the dive again, ah, oh, she's she's done you hard this time, mate. This is this is not sickeningly good. accurate, and <laughs> I don't like how close that an- analogy is. And it probably has stuck me. For- no, but I, I've I have I've I've walked away this year. I've tried not to be because it just doesn't it doesn't surprise me anymore. I wasn't surprised when this happened. Yeah, but I feel like this one is she's sleeping with me. God, like, definitely. This, is, this, definitely. This, this does surprise you. Like, this is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And like, how do we lose to Florida International? Yeah. And it's like real nasty stuff as well that, like, I've been trying to convince her to do and it's just not <laughs> happened. And then all of a sudden, yeah. Anyway, you're seeing videos of me and yeah, her doing that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just crying into my cornflakes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I really, I mean, I, this season isn't savable now. Uh, it'll be, it. I mean, it it bodes for another interesting off season, I suppose, for the Canes because they're not, they can't just sit on their hands here. I don't think you can't have a loss. There's always next year, mate. There There's is, but you can't, year. you can't do nothing. I don't think you can do nothing here. And and if you do, then whoo, you know, that is no. going to be a. F- and this goes back to it: cheat more. Find better ways to cheat. <laughs> yeah, just not on the kitchen table. All right. And lastly, the conference that put up the most piss poor schedule this week. Surprise, surprise. The South Southeastern Conference. I nearly could, didn't get that out correctly. With only three conference games. And they were barely that. LSU beat Arkansas 56 to 20. Uh, Ed Orgeron came Arkansas covered. Nice. Yeah, good. Uh, Ed Orgeron came out and said, we don't celebrate this game because Arkansas haven't achieved anything recently. Which I think is fucking awesome. Uh, like, good on him. Georgia's offense struggled again in the wet against Texas A&M, but defense does its job. They win that one, nineteen thirteen. Kept Texas A&M to negative one rushing yard on the day. Yeah, but Georgia just don't look like a playoff team to me at all. And I, I don't know. They're, they're still that, that defense will keep them in games, and I think it's going to be an interesting matchup with them and LSU in the SEC championship. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I, I think it. Yeah, anyway, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be that close. Tennessee beat Missouri twenty-four to twenty, and those three very mediocre confer, uh, mediocre games take us through the SEC slate. Alabama and Auburn conceded just three points between them in preparation for the Iron Bowl next week. Kentucky, Vandy, and Mississippi State all played nobodies and won. So well done, SEC. You did it. Uh, Good job. Okay, that takes us through all the games. Have I missed any? Is there any that you need to get to in the American no, I think that's it, mate. I think that's good. We are behind the clock here, no doubt. Okay, take us through some helmet stickers this week, William. 
Okay, so we will lead things with Anthony Gordon. Insane day. He threw the ball 70 passes. That's 70 passes. Miami doesn't have 70 plays in a game. Well, yeah, that like a lot of teams wouldn't run 70 plays. He threw the ball 70 times. Uh, six touchdowns, three interceptions. I suppose that's going to happen when you're throwing it up that much. Yeah. Uh, 600 yards. It's almost wow. like it's it's so funny, like back in the day, sorry to interrupt here and, and just drag this show out even longer, but teams used to be really afraid of throwing interceptions. It's almost like Mike Leach and that offense are like, we don't care. Like it's just part and parcel of what you're going to get in this offense. We're happy to turn yep. it over and we're going to score more touchdowns anyway. So who cares? Yeah, that's that's me and NCAA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, k- Keaton Slovis at USC, uh, respect for that effort. Whilst I kind of mentioned what I did off the top of the show, that's a that's a hell of a game. 500 yards uh, and four touchdowns is very impressive. Uh, Jarrett Guarantano had his best outing on the year. So he went for 415 yards in their win over Missouri and had the two touchdowns without turning the ball over. And Jaden Daniels at Arizona State, his ultra-efficient uh, effort with 400-plus yards and three touchdowns really helped pave the way for that huge upset victory. Uh, running the ball, we had Javian, Javian oh, God. Hawkins. Sure. He's, he's a Louisville boy. I thought you'd be across that. 23 carries, 233 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Jackson McChesney, a good Mormon boy out at BYU, had 15 carries at an average of 15.2 yards a carry for 228 yards and two touchdowns, which is incredible. Jonathan Taylor also went for another 200-odd yards. Zach Moss. At Utah, one of my favorites this year. Uh, definitely think we need to pick some sort of like favorite players sort of team between the two of us across the end of the year. He's my running back. Love watching him play. Yeah. 26 carries, 200 yards. What a man. Uh, and then catching the ball, we had Johnny Johnson the third at Oregon. Uh, in their loss, he did his bit. 10 catches, 207 yards. We had Aaron Moore at Old Dominion. Not a lot of Old Dominion love here. No. Uh, the, the, the old Monarchs, yeah. 14 catches, 194 yards. So that's really busy. Uh, and then we also had Kendall Hinton at Wake in their fairly prolific offense, only the six catches, but an average of 31.5 <laughs> yards per. He managed to get 189 yards and a touchdown. Oh, that's some, that is some big numbers. Uh Okay, Aussies in action. Will, from a punting perspective, how did the Aussies go? You mentioned that we had three in the top kind of five or six, and is that the case still? So we've slipped a little bit there. Uh, Max Duffy has retaken his spot at the the top of the pedestal, but we still had some really good efforts from the boys this week. So a a few of the ones who were really prolific last year but haven't been as as strong this year. So guys like James Smith, who I was banging on earlier this year, he had a good game with seven punts at an average of 44.6 and, and really helped in that win over Temple that was a tight one. Uh, we also had Michael Sleep Dalton. Wait, he was a name. I haven't that, heard that name he was, for a little while. Absolutely. Remember how often we were banging about him uh, the last year? Last year, uh, Arizona, when he was State. At Arizona State. Yeah, he's been too busy yeah. banging at Iowa now, and that's his issue. Correct. So, didn't matter for him this week, though. He was managed to parlay that into a solid result and had, in the end, uh, what was it? A impressive four punts at an average of 45. We had Joel Whitford at Washington, yeah. who I think has been sharing the duties out he's there been a little quiet bit. as well, yeah. He has, but he had a really, really good day. Seven punts at an average of 48. So whilst they went down, it was through no fault of his because that's pretty good at going. Uh, Reese Burns at Louisiana Lafayette oh, yeah. has been really good all year. Yeah. Uh, they had a massive win over Troy, 53-3. to three. So I'm surprised he had to punt the ball four <laughs> times when that's going on. But he did that at an average of 48 and a half, which Whoa. is really good. Uh Hayden Whitehead at Indiana in their loss to Michigan had five punts at 47, so he was looking good on the big stage. And then our player of the week this week, Jack Brooks at the University of Southern Alabama. I think he's won this uh, a couple of weeks ago as well, so he's stringing together quite a few nice efforts here against Georgia Southern. They lost, but he had five punts at an average of 49.6, so well done. That's Heisman worthy. 
Maybe not. Absolutely Maybe not. Should be. <laughs> Should be. Okay. Bold prediction time. Uh, now, I'll jump in to start with. Now, I'm not out of it, but I'm not overly convinced, and you can feel free to just strike a line through this if you would like, Will. I said that Michigan would do things a little bit on the iffy side against uh, Indiana. I think, quote, unquote, they would be down at half time. Fuck. You've got, <laughs> and then Ohio State would roll through Penn State pretty comfortably, and then Michigan would go on and beat Ohio State. I think I said in Columbus this week. Um, I mean, Michigan weren't down at halftime. It was it played in Ann Arbor. Uh, it is too. Sorry, my bad. It is in Ann Arbor. Uh, I was. I mean, I was sort of close because it was fourteen all, and Indiana were up, uh, but then they weren't, and Michigan rolled through yeah. them in the second half. So I'm. Pretty sure that is a, a a line through that one. Another hit for me. Yeah, it's not looking great. It's not looking great. And uh, mine, snap back to reality was the name of it, but it's me snapping back to reality and being heaps far away from picking it. <laughs> so I've I've had a fair bit of luck uh, in my projections of the bowl predictions this year. This week was that Baylor and Minnesota would both lose and they both won convincingly. <laughs> like they looked really good. Yeah, they did. Uh, that was a bad call. Okay, so hey, what have we got? We've only got a couple of weeks left. Maybe I've got to make a bowl season, bold prediction, a bowl prediction, even a bold, yeah, <laughs> spelt with a anyway. Fuck, that's not a, that's not a joke <laughs> for uh, a non visual medium. Anyway, uh, on the punt wheel, did you continue your winning form? Unfortunately not. There it goes. We came crashing back to earth. So as is the way, Icarus uh, <laughs> flew too close to the sun and he that died. was that was me. Yeah, correct. And I've gone I've flown too close to uh, five hundred and making my money back. <laughs> and as a result, we lost four point three units on the weekend. So there is one lesson that I can take out of this week at least at least. Don't bet on a really fucking shit team because that's what Rutgers are, right? Like they're playing Michigan State who aren't great. So I was thinking, you know, all they needed to do was score and that's all they needed to do. If they just scored, then I would have been sweet. But they couldn't (laughs) and they didn't look likely. They were bad. Like there were some plays where dude ran like a deep out and he was wide open and the quarterback hummed it in there and actually got it near him, (laughs) bounced off his chest plate. Bounced off his chest plate straight out of bounds. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. These guys are hopeless. Don't tell me you so actually that, uh, watched this game. Oh, yeah, I did. I watched <laughs> oh, it with, with a, a certain level, especially down the stretch because there was only 20 points uh, in it, only 20 points, but that was enough for me to cover in the last. So I was like, oh, I could be on here. All I need is Rutgers to go down and score. But fuck, I was asking way too much there. <laughs> No good, so lost on that one. Uh, fortunately enough, my team, Illinois, have gone out and covered uh, at Iowa. So yep. I had plus 15 and a half there. They lost by nine in the end, but that's enough for me. So I think I might put in my order to get myself some Illinois gear this year. I still need to find out who your team is this year, so if I can get you a nice little Christmas present, I know what to get. Yeah, I think it would have to be Baylor. No, it's probably not Baylor, actually. I, I, uh, well, we can think about this one. Maybe next week you can let me know so I can put the order in uh, and, and get you a nice little is. Christmas gift there. It, maybe what, FYU. What size are you, like double XL? Fuck you. Double XL? skinny little pipe cleaner. All right. My last one was... You're still talking. You're still talking. It's excruciating. I seriously want to go Well, I won on that one. This last one was Texas to beat Baylor in an upset. And they got smoked. Yeah. Like they were nowhere near as good as Baylor. Baylor were a much better football team. I was quite optimistic going into this one, and I was quite wrong too. So credit to Baylor. They're a good football team. Texas, fuck, not really. Yeah, no, not at all almost. Um, so back to the drawing board. How? Where's Sam Ellinger at actually in terms of his eligibility? That's a very good point actually. I, I don't know. I, I think he's got another year. I think but he does I know too. earlier in the year – you were talking about how he's more than just like a running quarterback, how he, he's got a bit to him. 
That doesn't appear to be the case. No, it does not. I blame Tom Herman. Uh, and before I can def- defend that point, this is the end of this show because it has rabbled on way too long. And knowing me on this outro, I will ramble even more. Anyway, please make sure that you do uh, subscribe to the show, whether that is through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, your iTunes, uh, your podcast app. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, get in touch at CFB Down Under on either Instagram or at Twitter as well. Will loves keeping on pumping the socials. So make sure you do get in touch with us there. Uh, And that brings us to the end of week 13 recap. Now, you need to gear yourself up for a massive, massive, massive week 14 as all the rivalry games take place. We've got the Iron Bowl, the Egg Bowl, the, you know, Chinese Duck Bowl. I don't know. Bedlam. Bedlam. Um, So all all the big games. If there's a week, if you missed this week, you didn't miss that much, do not miss next week um, because it's going to be a massive weekend of college football. Now, just on I'm uh, just on that, I'm missing next weekend. <laughs> I'm in Melbourne. <laughs> what? I'm in what? Melbourne. So uh, I'll do my best to watch as much as I possibly can uh, from the college, but it's going to be tough sledding for me to do so. Uh, Any chance you can catch up with the Pro Kick boys while you're over there? I mean, maybe. That would be good. Uh, but I do – I mean, I'm over there for school, so I've kind of got to do that. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I will miss, unfortunately. So I'll have to see you this week, William. Okay. Um, anyway, on behalf of that guy over there in the ad, up in the Adelaide Hills, for me down here on the plains, my name is Aaron. That is Will, and we will see you next time. <laughs>